Hello and welcome to On the Edge with Eddie Detangling Our Black Identities. I am your host, Eddie Etty. I am thrilled again for you to be joining our journey to explore all the different states of black identities, have real conversations and discussions. Like always, our conversations, stories, and discussions are not meant to degrade, discourage, or prove a point. Exploring our Black identities is all about learning, empowering, and giving people a voice to tell their stories, and at times be a voice for people who don't feel comfortable telling their stories. Hashtag, not all Black people are the same. Hey, listen, today I have a Ghanaian brother I mean, when we talk about smart people, this brother is one of the smartest Ghanaian uh, I know. I mean, uh, so I let, me, let, me, let, let me tell you a backstory. So in Ghana, when somebody is smart, we call him a shark, right? I mean, <laughs> this man is a shark of the sharks, right? I mean, I don't know about so that. He, he's a smart dude. Okay, so first of all, he moved to Iowa to go to, uh, um, to do a finance accounting in Drake, at Drake University. And then after that, he did an MBA. So with his finance and accounting background, he went on to supervise and manage some risk assessment, internal control testing, implementation and audits involving some corporate governance, corporate finance and accounting, and consumer credit solutions. I mean, that's a mouthful, first of all. And then when he did that, he wasn't even done, right? He went to law school. Well, maybe his wife got him to go to law school because you know, he met his wife, his wife was in law school. But he went to law school. In law school, uh, one summer, he clerked for the Honorable Gladys Kessler over at the U.S. District uh, Court for uh, District of Columbia. And then he clerked for the Honorable James Gill in North Carolina Business Court. And then the same summer, he got married. I mean... I don't know. That's a lot, right? So, um, Quincy then went on into um, corporate litigation with Porter Anderson in Wilmington, Delaware, where he practiced shareholder and board governance litigation, among other things, under the Delaware General Corporate Law. He then, well, now um, he is a compliance consultant at Delta Dental, where he helps provide reasonable assurance of compliance with, among other things, applicable federal and state healthcare related laws and standards. I mean, I'm telling you, y'all, this man is a brilliant guy. Kwesi Atakra, you're welcome to On the Edge with Eddie Akwaba. Yo, thank you, you man. <laughs> thank you. And thank you. I'm not doing everything is good. Everything is good. I, I appreciate those kind words. Um, you know, I don't know that I'm as, I'm as brilliant as you're saying, but you know, <laughs> I'll take, I'll take all the positive vibes. I, so all the positive I have, feedback. I, 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 I have credible sources that would tell me that <laughs> not just one source, credible sources that will tell me that you are a shock, right? You oh, are man. one of the brilliant people. So, so you're one of those people that when you're in class with a person, you copy their homework, right? <laughs> <laughs> and so good thing I didn't go to school with you because I have to be honest, I'll be copying your homework all the time. So uh, I don't know about that, man. <laughs> hard work, hard work, hard work all day, man. Hard work all day, every day. 
right. Well, let's, hey, let's get started with tang- detangling your uh, identity. And I'm super excited to tell your story from accounting to law school, um, you know, coming from Ghana. But you grew up in Ghana. Um, you went to right. elementary school, junior high, high school. And then later you moved to the United States. Tell me about what it was like growing up for Ghana, uh, growing up in Ghana for you. Um, well, for one, I would say life was more laid back, <laughs> you know, um, you know, growing up, it was, it was just more about just a ton of family, um, family traditions, getting together with family, a lot about, you know, a lot about the food. Um, which, which I do, I do miss, miss a lot. Um, and, and it was, I mean, I guess I don't, I don't, I don't know how to put it. It was, um, I mean, Ghana was all I knew. Right. So the first time I flew out of Ghana, um, was, was to come here. Uh, and so I just, I like everything that I knew about America was, what I saw on, 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 on TV and in, in like, in like music videos and, and, and whatnot. Um, well, you but, know, in, in Ghana, in Ghana growing up, um, you know, when we saw white people in Ghana, right. Were you yeah. one of those kids that chased them and say, Hey, Obroni, Obroni, I wouldn't say I was one of, one of those kids. <laughs> now I would look though, because obviously, you know, you, Oh, like all you see is our brothers or sisters, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and so if if wherever you are, I mean, if you if if you see a, a white person, yeah, I mean you can't help but look, right? Because it's different, <laughs> right? It's just natural. Right. Uh but I, I don't think I'll say I'll say I was one of those kids that was like chasing chasing uh, you know, running running behind yep. uh, you know, white people. Yeah. So but you didn't come to the US till um you were in college. Um, and what you knew right. about America was what you saw on TV. Tell That's me right. a little bit about what you saw on the America that you saw on TV. Um, it was more like, you know, like, the you know, like New York, big city skyline, mm. kind of like all the lights and stuff yeah. everywhere. Like in the music videos, you see a lot of like money, you know, just flying in the air. It's like, yeah. you know. If I if I come to America, am I gonna have like just like money like you know just flowing from heaven? You know, just yeah. it was it just looked it looked like a place where pe- people didn't have problems or I don't know like just people didn't have to struggle um, or, or I don't know just the money was just there. Yeah, exactly. That's just, just well, yeah, I mean, obviously just collected. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But obviously looking back, you know, I, I was obviously young and naive and um, it's like like everything else. You don't really know until until you're in it. Yeah. Well, so I, I wouldn't say you were uh, young and naive, though, because there are people in Ghana right now who still believe that. <laughs> Okay, so that is true. So there are old people in Ghana, even professionals in Ghana right now, who believe that the United States is all filled with muck and honey, right? Because again, right. money grows on trees and stuff like that. And it's mostly because of what we see on TV. Just like in the United States, you know, people think people sleep on trees in, in, in Africa. Africa yeah, that's right. right? That's you know, right. because that's, that's right. what's presented on TV. Um, so again, so what went into making a decision to come to the United States? Why did you want to come to the United States and go to school? 
You know, so when when I graduated from Addis Ababa, um, you know, I had a I had a really good friend. Well, he's still a good friend. He 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 lives in Bronx, New York now, and he he's also uh, Kwesi. And he and I went to Addis Ababa together. He and I went to Monista together, and I, I don't know what really started us thinking about coming to college here, uh, but somewhere somehow that idea came up, um, and so I started doing my own research um, into schools, how, you know, how is it to, uh, to apply to get into schools here? And I remember like, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not even kidding. Like I had, <laughs> I would like walk, cause at that time, like the internet wasn't, you know, as, as available as it probably is now in Ghana. Internet cafe. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly, internet cafe. So yep. I would, I would literally like, whatever money that I got, um, I would walk, you know, a couple miles to the internet cafe almost every day to, to essentially, you know, do my, my due diligence, if you will. Um, and, uh, also at that time there was, there was a center in, in Accra called the, the United States Information Center. I don't know if it's still there, but, um, that was also very helpful with helping, me and other pe- other students who, who were there with coming up, just doing research and coming up with like your top 10 schools in the US that you want to attend. Um, and then from there, I, you know, I, t- I t- talk, talked to my dad about it. I, um, and then, you know, he was in favor. My mom was, was as well. I took the SATs and I did not do well at all. Um, and I got enrolled. I got enrolled in, in, um, in, in a class for the SATs. And so I took it a second time and I think I did better, but I probably didn't do as great as, as I wanted to. Um, and so that's essentially, that's how it all started. And then Drake was one of like 10 schools that I applied to. Okay. Um, and in the end, when I looked at all the packages and whatnot, uh, I decided to come to Drake. Hmm. Okay. Well, and then you pack your things. You go from Ghana, what do you think? America is all about money growing on trees and milk and honey. And then you move, you fly, the, 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 you, you get on the plane, you get all the way to the East Coast. Um, you right. spend some time in the East Coast, right? Right. Yeah, before, that's right. Before coming to Iowa. Tell me what was going through your head when you landed in the East Coast and then you went to Iowa and then you got to your first winter. <laughs> what, what was going through your head at that time? Yeah, you know when I got to the East Coast, um, and I, I don't remember if it was it was Reagan or if it was Dallas Airport, but either either way, I mean, yeah, I spent some time with family. I mean, it was I didn't let's let's put it this way: I didn't land in like Times Square where I would see lights and stuff everywhere, right? I mean, I, I knew I was in a different country, um, uh, but for that first few weeks, it was just. Just spending time with the family, and right. you know, if 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 someone was gonna go to McDonald's or something, I'll jump in the car and and just be like, oh yeah, this this is my first time at McDonald's, yeah, yeah you know. Yeah. And I, it's funny, like the first two three weeks, I don't even remember drinking water. I think all I drank was like Coke and other kinds of pop. I mean, um, because it was, it was just there. all part of yeah. Like now, yeah. Yeah. now I'm in America, so I shouldn't be drinking water. It's just dumb. But anyway, so, and then when I, when I landed in Des Moines, um, I mean, I just kind of felt like, well, this is normal, right? Like 
Okay. There was, there was, of, of course, it was in August, and so uh, the weather was okay. fine. It was nice. It was nice. Yeah, yeah it was nice out. It was nice okay. out. Um, and so I was more focused on just trying to get to know my new environment. Yeah. And my new dormit, you know, uh, dormitory. Um, so my, I actually had. I, I don't know if you know Ben, but uh, uh, Ben. Um, also from Ghana, he started Drake a semester before I did. Okay, and, and I knew him before I left. I left Ghana, so so he and I were roommates all well, all through my Drake career uh, up until the time he graduated. I mean, he graduated a semester before I did. Right, right, yeah. Uh, yeah. And so it was just again just hanging out with him. Uh, you know, he like I said, he was my roommate, uh, and, and just getting uh, acclimated to to a new, uh, a new environment, a new set of uh, friends, a new school. Um, mm-hmm. just, just trying to figure out what, like, what does this all mean for me, right? I was 19, 20 at that time. Yeah. Well, yeah. Do, you, do you recall your first instant of snow? Yeah, man. <laughs> because, yeah. because yeah. so the first time I, I saw snow, I was so excited, right? I didn't, again, I didn't know what, you know, frostbite was. I didn't know that your feet freeze, your hand freeze. And I remember going outside with my soccer ball and I wanted to play soccer in the snow, right? Oh, no, you don't and, do that. And, and I, I get out there like the first like one minute, you know, my feet is frozen because of course I wasn't wearing any like, you know, sock <laughs> or anything. And, you know, I'm just like wearing like some light jacket and I was like, and I come back inside and I told, I told my father, I was like, Daddy, 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 like I can't feel my legs. <laughs> yeah. Like what, what's happening in my leg? I think I'm sick. And then of course he had to explain to me, like, you know, snow, it's cold. You don't go outside when it's cold. You yeah. know, you get sick, you get freeze. What was your first instant of snow? Like so yeah, so my my first instance of snow, I was in my dormitory uh uh Drake first year, and I saw it looking outside the window right i mean i was i was inside and i, I it was all white and i mean at, at first I, you know at, at first sight it was beautiful right like it was it was good to see it was all i mean all you could see was just white right, right, right. um and then i decided to go go outside just to kind of <laughs> you know yep. check it out feel it um and this is a true story man i opened the door I opened the door and my first step out the door, I slipped. Oh, and and my butt and it was there was only one guy who saw me <laughs> slip. He's a, another fellow fellow Ghanaian and he's um he's not in the US anymore, but but he's he's the only one who saw me. Uh, and it was it was a pretty hard fall. Uh, oh. But but after that, I mean, I you know like like people say, it's, it's not about fall you know falling down, but. <laughs> it's about getting up, right? Getting up, yep. 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 So I, I got up and, and I ch- checked out the snow and, you know, I mean, uh, the first time, yeah, it was it was amazing to kind of just at least see and feel what it's like. Um, but then after that, I I think that, so like, uh, being being amazed by it only lasted for probably like 10, 15 minutes. Yeah. Because um, uh, that first winter was a brutal. Like we, Iowa got a lot of snow. Um, so yeah, so that was, that was my, my first experience with snow. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, a lot of people don't, 
especially you know growing up in ghana i mean you you see you can see the snow on tv or you can see it but like that first experience of like yeah. snow and going through the cold and touching and feeling it's something that you know at least i don't i, I will never forget i would never forget yeah. um so I'll, I'll i'll say though just to add to that i'll say though like when you were talking about going outside um i ended up so like not taking the cold seriously yeah um and I actually got sick from, from that. Like, I didn't dress warm enough. Right. Um, and I, I got so sick to the extent that, um, like, like half my face, and I don't remember if it was this side or, or, or that side. Right. But seriously, like, half my face was, it almost felt like it was paralyzed. Like, I couldn't, yeah. Um, I couldn't, uh, like, I'd be talking to you, right? I'd be talking to yeah. you. And yeah. unintentionally, I would... Like spit, right? Like, cause I couldn't control. Oh, yeah, because I, because I couldn't control the nerves. Yeah, yeah exactly. Or, yeah. or like, I'll, like I'll be eating. Yeah, and and some of the food will like fall out, um, uh, my mouth, right? Oh. And yeah, man. So since that time, uh, <laughs> you know I don't, I don't, I don't play, I don't play with the coat at all. You gotta dress warm. It's sort of like when you go to the dentist and they give you the shots and you can't fill your mouth, yep. <laughs> and then you end up eating your own tongue or something like that. Yeah, oh, that's exactly. so serious. Yeah, man. man yeah. Wow. All yeah. right. Well, so you you made it through all of that, and you know you're a Ghanaian, a black man at Drake going to school again. Des Moines is somewhat. Um, you know, there there's a few Ghanaians in the Des Moines area, right? Again, I don't know That's at right. that time, at that time there was or there wasn't, but I know, you know, in Warburg College, um, Central had a lot of Ghanaian population. Right. Um, so the transition wise, you know, as a Ghanaian, as a black man going to Drake at that time, did you notice anything about like unfair treatment at all? Or do you, when you first got to the Moines space, did you notice that there was, there was anything called racism or did you notice anything about, you know, unfair, like injustices or how the system is set up at all? Did you know anything? And if not, when did you start really looking at, wow, there's something actually called racism, right? When did like being different or treated differently because of you being black, when, when did you first recognize or realize that? Yeah. So when I would say all through my four years at Drake, I probably, I mean, I, I knew what the word racism or racist means, but I would say through my, my four years at Drake, I don't remember a time where it was either in my mind or I experienced anything specific that I can, you know, I can go back to. I mean, that was, that was actually a, a decent number of, of uh, Ghanaians uh, when I, when I started. And so we had a community and, and not only Ghanaians too, like other, other brothers and sisters uh, from other African countries. Right. Um, and then also Drake, um, and I'm sure they're still doing it, but the, the international students organization or, or whatever they call it. I mean, it was, it was top notch, uh, and it was a, a good resource, uh, for the international students. So, I mean, I have nothing but, uh, good experiences, uh, from Drake, um, to the other side of uh, the other angle of your question about like, when did I start? So like realizing this whole racism kind of thing, um, I think it was post post Drake. Um, and actually it was one incident um it was you know my my friend Bennett Ben and I 
were at some nightclub and, and we got kicked out. Um, we got kicked out of the nightclub. We were just, we were just standing there and the security get, guys came and told us to like walk out. Um, and I think for me personally, going through that experience, that was, that was so like, you know, a flag that kind of came up for me and, and made me realize that uh, the fact that I'm a, I'm a black man, I, I just should be aware of my surroundings and just be aware of, you know, what is a, you know, a, a fact really. So, yeah. Did going through that experience um, trigger any sort of, this is how I need to act in different spaces for you at all? Um, no, for me, for me, no. Um, I mean, I think, I think what it created for me though is not so much that I, I need to act a certain way in, in, in certain situations, but I, I think I just need to be aware of my surroundings, mm-hmm. right? Like right. I, I always, and it's always on top of my mind, like every time I, I need to be aware of where I'm at, right? I mean, am I, if I, if I'm in a law firm, okay. Every day that I go to work, that's, that's one environment that I'm in, right? If, and I have to, I have to, be aware of, of the people that are, that are with me. Like who's in the room? Uh, what's, what's, what, what is going on in the room? Like, why am I there? Right. Um, I think that consciousness has always stayed with me. And, and now that may, I guess, indirectly cause me to act in a certain way, but, but I always try to, so like, remember that, Hey, just, just be aware of, of, of where you're at and, 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 and why you're there. Yeah. So you you did accounting, uh, finance, um, and then you were in the accounting and finance space for a while. I mean, you had you know, yeah, you, you did have a pretty good job, you know. Again, yeah, um, and you loved well, maybe you didn't love your you loved your job, but then you went to law school, you know, like you 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 weren't you didn't have enough. <laughs> Right. You're like, yeah, my brain is bored and I need more to, you know, I need, I just need to do more. Like, first of all, tell me about law school and what was the purpose of going to law school um, for you? And, you know, when you were going to law school, were you thinking, you know what, I'm going to go to law school and then fix this about something or were you just going to law school just because um it was you know it was an influence from you know people in your life especially your wife who also was in law school at the time what what was the reason for you going to law school um opportunity man opportunity right for me you know like a lot of people would say yeah you know like i went to law school um to help other people right for me when i say opportunity yeah, that made me, well, it, law school is going to put me in a position where, yeah, I may be able to help help someone. Or it may be a benefit where it's just a benefit to myself or, or, or to my family or, or to the community at large. But whatever that opportunity was, I, I knew that. And again, when I started, the economy wasn't doing that well. But having a JD degree was going to, if, if I was able to do it, it was going to stay with me for the rest of my life. And, and, and no one could take that away from me. And, and to me, that's, that's opportunity right there. Um, and so that's the, you know, that's the number one reason why I went, because again, I had worked for nine years. I mean, I, I had a decent job. 
I mean, I love the people that I work with at, um, at, at Wells Fargo. I actually still connect with some of them uh, today. Uh, and so, and the economy wasn't doing well. And so when you think about it, and actually, <laughs> funny enough, I, so like I said, my wife was already in that field. And so through her, I took the chance or I guess, again, the opportunity to talk to other attorneys that she knew to kind of get their thoughts like, hey, you know, this is what I'm, this is what I'm thinking about doing. Do you think, you think it's a good idea for me to go to law school? And yeah. not one of them said yes. <laughs> all of them, oh yeah, like all of them said, you know, it just does, it's not worth it. Like that's what I kept hearing. It's oh, not worth it. Yeah. And, 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 and looking back, I, I understand that statement that it wasn't worth it. Right. I understand why they said it, but it's been so worth it today. Mm. Um, okay. Yeah. So that's, I mean, that's, that's why, that's why I went to law school. Let's talk about making friends. Ever since you got to the U.S., it seems like, you know, you've had, you know, a group of Ghanaian friends, somebody yeah, you've known, somebody that you hang out with. And usually it's, you know, making friends with, or you have Ghanaian friends, right? That's right. Tell me a little bit about, um, making friends in law school or even when you were in Drake for me personally, you know, like I mentioned before that it was easier for me to make friends with, um, with white individuals than with African-American blacks. Right. Mostly because for me, I didn't really understand, you know, sort of the, the, the African-American culture. There were things that I didn't understand and it felt like, you know, African-Americans didn't want to be my friends. (laughs) Right. And so when I approached somebody, it got to a point that I was very either hesitant to approach, um, you know, our African-American brothers and sisters or um, it was it was intimidated by approaching them. And so, I, you know, when I was in college, again, I, I moved here in high school. But by the time I got to college, I got to a point that I was like, OK, you know, I'm getting to understand the African-American culture a little bit. Uh, but it was still. I was still standoff-ish, you know, making new friends who are African-Americans, right? What was that like for you, um, making friends with the the whites versus the African-Americans? Man, I, it's funny you say that because it's almost the same as you, right? Because I think when I was, when I was in college at Drake, um, it was, I mean, I probably had more, you know, white Caucasian friends than, than I did black friends that were like African-American, you see what I'm saying? Um, yep. And, you know, I, I mean, some of it is probably the same for the same reasons that you gave. I, I don't, I don't know what it was. Um, it just felt, I don't know. I mean, it just felt, I mean, looking back, I, I, I wish that I had the opportunity to obviously, you know, to get to know and, and make more friends um, right. uh, with my, my African-American uh, colleagues in college. But I just don't know what it was. I, I ended up just having more white friends um, than than I did African American friends. So that's that, that's kind of similar to you. Now, in law school, in law school there were only like four or five of us, right? So, so we well, I guess when I say four or five of us in in my year group, right? Yep. Right at the whole law school, there were probably I don't know maybe there weren't a lot. But, yeah. yeah, there weren't a lot. Right, there weren't a lot. Um, but I think. You know, so like the, the Black Law Students Association at the, at the law school, um, you know, having that organization helps wh- regardless of whether you're African-American or, or you're like, you know, you're like, like me who, who live most of 
you know, my life in, in Ghana, you know, regardless of, of what, you know, wherever you're from, yeah. I think that that Balsa organization just helped bring us together. And so I think my law school experience was different from, from Drake because I think there was, there was that resource where I could meet other black people, regardless of where, where, you know, where they were from. And, 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 and at that time, then that's when you're like, Oh, you know, this isn't so like, why we're all the same. It wasn't like this back in college. Right. (laughs) Right, Um, But, but that's just, I mean, that's just how it was. Why, why, why do you think that is though? Because again, I've struggled with that a lot, right? Because what's happening for me, again, I have great African-American friends now and I'm, you know, getting to know them and getting to know their background, you know, especially, you know, having to, you know, tell stories about, you know, um, you know, slavery and all that. Coming to the United States, like I didn't see slavery the same way that, you know, our African-American brothers usually or sisters see slavery, right? Um, and so, again, for me, I, I, I'm trying to understand why is it, you know, for someone like me and you, Ghanaian, growing up in Ghana, coming to the United States, why was it so hard for us to make friends with African-Americans? <laughs> I don't know, man. I, 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 if, if there is an answer to that question, I don't know what that answer is. I should put it that way. Yeah. Now, nope. now I, think, I think that just like just like in most situations, like we all have subjective you know, perceptions about other people, mm-hmm. regardless of whether they're green, blue, black, white, whatever, right? And it may be that whatever perception we have about African-American brothers and sisters, some of that may be preventing us from opening up and, and befriending, befriending them, right? I mean, I, you know, I don't know. Um, and, 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 and I think looking back for me, I should have done more. It, it just, all it, it takes right. is just one step, right? Just, yep. just get to know yep. someone, right? Like just, yeah. just say hello, say hi, um, you know, just, just do something for someone else. And, 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 and I think I lost, I lost that opportunity. Um, so it's, it's something going on up here in our minds that is preventing us now. I mean, we're, we're we're speaking from our standpoint. Yep. We don't know what yep. we don't know what like. So if we had another African American brother or sister with us, we don't know what experience or what perceptions they have about us, right? And so right. Yep. it it could also be a two way street thing where something is preventing us from opening up to them and and vice versa. Yeah. Um, but whatever you know, whatever it is, I think I think that uh, you know just getting to know each other fixes a lot of issues. And this is just not just between us and African-American brothers and sisters. It's, it's pretty much across the board, right? Like with all these racial stuff going on last year and everything, I would yeah. say a big part of it is we just need to get to know our neighbors. I mean, that's, yeah. Times that I've taken a step to approach an African-American and have the conversation or just say hi, we have been, we, we usually just click and just right, you know, yeah. be good friends, right? right, but right I don't right. know, for the longest time, I was just, I was just struggling, especially in college, struggling in approaching, you know, our African-American brothers and sisters, just, 
you know, just to approach them, right? And I have yeah. no idea what was it that was preventing me from doing that. I mean, now yeah. I don't have a problem with it and I do it all day long. Um, but it's just that there's something that I don't know. I don't know if it's, you know, growing up in, you know, Ghana or growing up in, you know, Africa or, and, you know, part of the, part of this podcast really is to try to figure out, is there something that is preventing us from, you know, like approaching and have the conversation or just saying hi, right? Because again, after yeah. you do it, it's great. You build wonderful relationships, but what That's is right. it that is preventing us? From That's right. And I mean, I'm, I'm sure, you know, you, I think, um, any opportunities that, that you have to also have, you know, an, an, an African-American brother or sister on, on this, on this podcast alongside someone like me or, or, you know, um, some, someone else from somewhere in Africa. I think that would be a good conversation when, when all parties are so sort of like together to try to, yep. um, to try to figure out like what, because we say this now, about an experience that we had in the past, right? I'm, I'm, sh- I'm sure because there's still international students from Africa that are coming to the United States all across this country. And I wouldn't be surprised that there's, there's still some that struggle with that today. Um, and yeah, it, it may be that we just need to talk about it and kind of figure out why, why that's the case. Why that is, yeah. It, again, yeah. you're right, because um, I... I do have spoiler alert, um, a group uh, met Black Men in Technology, which I co-founded with my good friend Curtis Chung. Um, it's it's a, yeah, it's a seen collection that. of yeah. really Black men in technology from right. all walks of life. Right there is you know right. the Congolese, there's Ghanaians, there are people from South America, people from Chicago, wow. people born in Iowa, and so yeah. it's a great group of men that we get together and talk and support each other. And right. one of the things that I'm going to be doing, you know, with this podcast is I'm going to have them here, you know, time after time, and we're going to talk about anything and everything black related right Got so it. we're talking about sagging why do people feel the need to show their dirty draws in public i don't understand that yeah, yeah <laughs> loud, so loud, loud music right yeah. why do you, you know so some cultures that you know that we both share um, right. and talk all about but yeah you know you know we will talk about when we get there let awesome. me ask you this though as a black man or as a Ghanaian black man Ghanaian american black man what did George Floyd being killed? What did that do to you? Man. I mean, the first word that when I saw that video, see the, the funny thing about the George Floyd thing for me was, and it doesn't, I mean, the, regardless of what time it happened, doesn't matter. But I was, I'm in this WhatsApp group and, and someone sent it around. And so when I, when I saw the video, my, my first thought was, Oh, this is like 20 years ago. Not and not that 20 years ago would have made it any better, right? Regardless, this is like time doesn't even matter. But that was that was like that was the first thought that came into my mind. The second thought was, oh my God, this is evil. Like this is evil. And and the part that struck me the most right. was when George Floyd um obviously, you know, was was on the ground and he appeared not to be responsive, right? He just looked like he he was out. Um, and I don't remember the officer's name, but I mean, his knee was, was, was still on there and, and, and the look on his face, mm. right. To me, what it told me was, cause he, he was almost, cause you know, there were, I don't know, people that were 
were present at that time, what you know, they were trying to tell him to do yeah. something like he's not breathing, whatever they were saying. And he was looking right back at them. And the look on his face to me was like, okay, what are you going to do? Like, I'm in charge. My knee is on his neck. What are you going to do? And just having no, at that point, just not having any respect for human life. Right. Um, that's the part that, you know, struck me the most. Um, and I mean, you already know I have, I have three boys, uh, you know, half black, half, you know, half Indian. Mm-hmm. Um, and to be honest, I don't know. I mean, I'm still scared, you know, today because, um, you know, the thing about, the thing about, you know, racism and, and racist and, 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 and all that kind of stuff is regardless of what we do, I personally think that, I mean, we can make things better, right? Yep. Um, and it starts from the home. I mean, you know, raising kids at home and whatnot, it starts from the home. Um, but if you ask me, do I think that racism or, or people like that, that officer, that people like that are going to go away? I, my answer is no. Like, the, I, I mean, I, I feel like there are people like that that are going to be in this world, unfortunately. Um, but what we have to do is obviously speak up and there has to be justice, right? I mean, there, there has to be, because justice, even though there are bad people like that, I think it speaks volumes when they see justice, because if they see justice, Next time, when the next officer is thinking about doing something similar, at the very least, they will think twice. Right. Right. But if, if time after time, um, people are so like getting away with things like this, like getting away with things like this, at some point, it just, it, it doesn't cause change, the change that we need. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it, I mean, it hit me really hard. Um, you know, it's unfortunate, you know, obviously for, um, uh, for George Floyd's uh, family and, um, and, and his little girl. Um, but one thing that I was really happy about was just how, uh, you know, a lot of people came together, different people, mm-hmm. different, different like ethnic groups. A lot of people came together. And I mean, I, I do recognize, I just find like you watch the news today and, you know, it's like, you know, there were all, there were all that looting and, and everything that, that happened last year as well. Yep. I don't, you know, of course, no one condones that, that, that kind of stuff. Um, uh, but at the same time, I, I was just happy to see just the, those peaceful, um, uh, you know, group of diverse, uh, you know, brothers and sisters that, that just came together together. Uh, for one cost that was that was really cool to see yep 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 yeah no i it, uh, th- there was a lot of emotions I, you know it was crazy because um i remember watching that video for the first time and you know drew, drew me watching that video uh, she pulled me on um on curfew right <laughs> you know she was like yeah you need to be home at this time and I, I don't want my child or our children to not have a father 
um, you know, because somebody thinks, you know, you don't deserve to be alive because you're a black man. Right. Um, yeah. and, and it was real. I mean, a, a lot of times people don't, you know, think about it, especially all the emotions that you, you feel when someone like you is, you know, being really murdered in broad daylight and people yeah. looking. And like you said, you know, you see the, 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 expression or the the look on yeah. the person murdering <laughs> like the murderer's face and yeah. you're like okay you know at some point in time they yeah. can easily lift their leg but they're not right. is this really on purpose at that time right and, right. and it's crazy yeah, I mean, you know um yeah and yeah. it's real <laughs> it is it is real i mean at the same time you know i i'm sure you agree too you know, I think, and there was all this talk about, you know, defining the police and all that. I mean, personally, listen, in any group of, of people, yeah, you're going to have some bad apples and whatnot. Yep, I mean, absolutely. I think, yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the, the police are there for a reason. Um, they're, they're very good cops out there. Um, they're, they're, great cops out there, right? Yep. Yeah, they're great cops out there. And, really? and I mean, I don't know what we would do without cops, right? The, the cops, right. you know, they're public servants and, and they're there for a reason. Um, so all that defunding police, then I'm like, I mean, um, right. Yeah. But, you know, at the same time, you know, we just gotta, we just like people like that officer, man. Mm, yeah. You just got, I mean, that's just so much evil. You know what I mean? Um, so you have three yeah. sons. <laughs> okay. Yeah, man. Three sons. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about the conversation with your three sons. And, you know, I, I preface this with your wife is from India, right? India right. has its own culture. Ghana has its own culture. And, you know, you were talking a little bit about, you know, when you were in Ghana and growing up, you spent a lot of time with your family. Family time yeah. was great. You know, the community-oriented culture. You know, again, so, again, your wife has her own culture. You have your own culture. And you're raising your three sons, right? Black three sons in America, right? With right. This, with the two different cultures from two different sort of different uh, from different parts of the world. Right. How how first of all, how is that going? Secondly, how do you envision raising your kids, and when are you going to have the black conversation with your kids? Yeah, so I think I think thankfully because of time. Because my kids are not as as old, um, I think I'm gonna have to deal with that second part of your question later later in life, right? I mean, my oldest will be five in May. Uh, my middle one actually turned three today. Mm. So happy birthday! Um, yeah, <laughs> and then the 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 youngest one will be one um, in March. Yeah. Um. But. I mean, it's been, it's, it's, it's great, man. I'm, I mean, I feel really blessed to, um, you know, to have them. Uh, if, if my wife was here, she would say, actually, you did not have them. I did. But, <laughs> oh, yep. yeah. 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 Um, uh, but I think in terms of the, the, the whole cultural difference and whatnot, uh, it's just natural, man. It's just organic, right? Like I'm not, um, I don't like consciously act a certain way or say certain things a certain way because I'm trying to um, 
I don't know, teach them something specifically. I mean, I just, I just be me. Right. And then my, my wife is my wife. And I, and I think, I think just by being ourselves, they will somehow kind of, as they grow, they will obviously figure out that, yeah, we're, we're different in terms of our, of our um, ethnic background. Um, and then, and then there's going to be, like you said, there's going to be a sudden point in time when, you know, I'm going to have to um, just help them grow in that, in, re- in realizing who they are and, and, and where they come from yeah. um, and what it means to the outside world. Uh, uh, you know, thankfully, I, I mean, I don't, I don't think I'm there yet. I mean, our oldest, I may have had one or two conversations with them, but so like this whole, like, the, you know, they say, you know, like when a cop stops you and you're driving, like, you know, make sure your hands are visible and you can just put them on the steering wheel. I've, I've actually told my four-year-old that, um, but that's probably the, the extent of, you know, my conversations with him in regards to that. And I think that was even um, in like a jovial kind of way, because again, he's very young. And so I kind of want to be careful about, very careful, yeah. about, about the timing of, of things like that, but we're just, we're just letting things be and let them kind of figure things out naturally. Um, I'm trying to, I want them to speak my native, you know, my native language, but it's hard, man. It's, it's hard to, to speak <laughs> it with them. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, if anything, that's probably one thing that I'm so like consciously trying to trying to do. I I usually say that when I'm like shouting at them or like I'm like mad or something. Then then it comes out. <laughs> that's nat- That's natural. Yeah, man. Yeah. Are are you are are you concerned or afraid for your sons growing up if nothing changes in America? Um, I mean, I am, I am because I think, unfortunately, um, in today's America, regardless of how well you raise your kids, something like what happened to George Floyd could happen to to anyone really, right? Like to any any one of our brothers or sisters, right? Um, so in, in, in that respect, yes, I am concerned to the extent that there are things that may happen in this world that I, I may not have any control over, like personally. At the same time, I, I trust um, that my wife and I will be able to, you know, raise, raise them to be, you know, good citizens, of, of their town, their city, their state, their country, um, and that as they grow up, they will, you know, make make good friends, uh, people that would impact um, impact their life in a positive way, and 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 people that they can impact the positive way. Mm-hmm. Uh, because obviously, it, it gets to a certain point in life where, you know, once they're in school and they're mingling with other people and and they're in activities and whatnot, um, there's there's some influence upon your kids, it's not just you influencing your kids, right? They're, yep. they're outside influences on your kids as well. And, and I think my wife and I are gonna make it a, a priority to manage that kind of influence. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and if we're able to, I, I think if we're able to manage it well up to a certain age, right. 
then they take off and they're adults and they can fend for themselves and figure things out for, them, for themselves and try yeah. to, yep. you know, act appropriately and, and hopefully, yeah, they live, you know, they lead good lives. Yep. Mm, that's 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 powerful that's powerful hey listen you're on the edge with eddie detangling our black identities my guess the shock one of the brilliant minds <laughs> quincy atakra with me um i am having a wonderful time again you know kudos to you you have done amazing things you know you see opportunity and you grab it by the balls yeah, this, this is the first time I've actually said balls on the show. <laughs> Wait, what did you say, balls? <laughs> yeah, balls. Well, anyway, <laughs> I tell Drew that all the time. I'm like, hey, if you see opportunity knocking, grab it by the balls and squeeze yeah, it. Because yeah, don't let you go. know, a lot of times, you know, um, opportunities don't often come. And if they do, you you just have to, you know, take advantage of it by eight. That's right. You, you, you've been great. You, you're a great role model. You know, um, thanks for being awesome. Thanks for being, um, you know, love school steady buddies for Dromi. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> those are the good times. You know, like yeah, I we told, got like I told her and I told Alex, I'm going to have all three of you on at the same time. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, and sort of talk about, you know, your friendship in law school and how you went to law school together. Because again, there's a lot of things that, you know, we need to detangle there, but Thank right. you so much for joining on the edge with Eddie. So again, one minute. I'm going to give you one minute. Yep. Send a message to the world. What do you want to tell the world in one minute? I'm going to give you some background music. So your floor is all yours. All right. Um, well, two things. Uh, the first, the first thing I would say is time. Um. So you know when I was a kid. I didn't realize the importance of time. Time is so critical, right? And I, and I think as, as you, and the earlier you realize this, the better. As you go through life, don't waste a day. Like plan your day. I mean, yeah, it's fine to just sit and watch Netflix. Or, well, not all day, but it's, it's fine to sit and watch something on Netflix, but, but plan your day and, and make sure you're allocating time to things that will almost like act as investments for your life and for things beyond, right? So time is critical. Um, uh, and, the, and the second thing is, is just get to know your neighbor and just get to know your neighbor. Mm. Um, you know, there's, there's so much positive, I guess, positivity about love than hate, right? And I think if you don't know someone, you don't really know anything about them. But once you get to know someone, um, there's just so much that you, you come to find out you may have things in common and whatnot. And, and the next time when you see that person, all your subjective perceptions are out the door because you know that person. Right. And I think in this country, the more we get to know each other, um, all these problems that we're seeing, it's going to help to, if not eliminate it, like, you know, take it way down, reduce it. So that's, those are my two things. <laughs> very nice, very nice, very nice. Hey, listen, Albert Einstein said, in the middle of difficulty lies opportunity. And Quissy Atacross says, <laughs> you need to find the right time and don't waste your time. Take a hold of the opportunities. Yeah. You know, hey, find yourself, find your neighbors and, you know, find the right people in your life because that's the only way this, uh, uh, our human um, ways need to grow, investing in each other, investing in our loved ones. You're on the edge with Eddie, the Tango Black. Amen to that. 
Thank you so much for joining hey, thank us. Thank you so much for having me, brother. Hey, this is so much. I can't I can't wait for us to continue our conversation. Yes, sir. Definitely. We'll talk later. Sounds good, brother. It's All a right. wrap. <laughs> it is a wrap.